Hello, and welcome to the Drama and Language Teaching Podcast. A podcast for all language teachers interested in using drama or theatre, or even more generally speaking, performative elements in their classrooms. Hi, I'm your host, Stephanie Giebert. Hello, welcome everyone to the first episode of the Drama and Language Teaching Podcast. I'm a teacher of English and German as a foreign language in Germany, and I've been active in the area of theatre and drama and education for about 20 years now. First, for many years as a student performing in an English drama club, and now as a language teacher who loves theatre and drama and tries to integrate this into her classroom. In this podcast, I hope to offer a platform for colleagues from various countries who are drama and language teaching enthusiasts and who, I'm sure, have lots of experiences and insights to share with language teachers from all over the world. Which is also the reason why I'm recording this podcast in English and not in German. Together with a Swiss colleague, Eva Goexel, I organize an annual drama and language teaching conference where teachers from all over Europe, or even further away, meet for two days to learn and talk and play together. However, these are just two days, and after that, I've learned over the years, and it is also the case for me, we often work in relative isolation. Often we are the only person in our school or university department or language center who is into drama and who uses performative elements in their classrooms. In this podcast series, I'm hoping to offer a mix of interview episodes and episodes focusing on a certain topic, for example, a conference. Um... And now, without much further ado, I'd like to introduce my first guest, Jonathan Sharp, who is an English language instructor at Tübingen University in Germany. Here we go. I'm really happy that you agreed to do this interview on um, drama in language teaching with me. And um, I would actually start with sort of the present day and then go back to to the past. Mm -hmm. So um, where where do you work currently and, and what do you do? Okay, well, currently I'm a English language tutor, so in German, a Sprachlektor um, at the English department of the University of Tübingen in southwest Germany. And I've been here, I've been in this position since 2011. Okay, great. Um, How did you how did you come to work with drama and education and sort of where where do you come from? Okay, yeah, no, that's that's a a good question and it's something that I I notice most people who are in this area. That's one of the things I like about it. That there's so many varied backgrounds that have have kind of brought people to to using these methods. Personally, I um well to go all the way back, I studied English literature. That was my first degree at the University of St Andrews in Scotland. And although there's no drama department at St Andrews, there is a very active drama society where students can get involved in all kinds of productions um, of plays. So I was very active, mostly acting in productions at St Andrews. And by the time I left university, I, I well, I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I got the chance to, to go to Vienna 
um, in Austria. Originally, that was going to be just for one year. I studied music. I was a, on a music scholarship at St. Andrews. So the, the original plan was to study music for a further year in Vienna. And I got a job because my main degree was in English. I got a job teaching English in various private language schools in, in Austria. But it was kind of before I left, I realized that I was I was really going to miss acting. I'd, I'd really developed a, a passion for acting. So I managed to find the two English language theater companies in Vienna. And I was lucky enough to get uh, to, to get into one of those companies. And that's really what's kept me in Vienna. One year ended up becoming eight years. Uh, it was a long time I was in Vienna. And yeah, the, the whole time I was, I was working uh, as an actor, basically, at, at the at the theatre. So, in, sorry, this is a, is a kind of rather roundabout answer to your question, but basically what happened was I was teaching English and also working as an actor in the theatre. And one day, I can't remember when this when this was, but one day it struck me that it would it might be quite a cool idea to try to combine these two areas of interest because when I was when I started teaching English, it was still fairly um, how can I say it was fairly book based. A lot of it was based on just exercises from textbooks, and the the groups of students would rarely leave their seats during the lesson. And I just thought that maybe I could take some of the ideas specifically from the rehearsal room, actually, from from my theatre work, and try to apply that to to my English teaching. That was, as it were, the first impulse um, I had for for drama in education. After a few years, I, I actually because of because of the drama teaching, I got the chance to teach some kind of individual classes on, as we'd say in German, Lehraufträge, so kind of early early rate pay um, at the University of Vienna, and that was my first experience of university teaching. But it, I only really got into that, funnily enough, because of the drama based teaching. They they were interested in something a little bit different, shall we say. And so that was my first taste of, of uh, university teaching as well. This kind of happened just step by step quite organically. And I think it's interesting that it, it, seemed, to, it seemed to happen in parallel to, to the general interest that, that started to grow in, in drama and education. That, that was, I mean, I moved to Vienna in 1999. And so that was kind of throughout the first few years of the 2000s, shall we say. That, that that started happening. Mm -hmm. Did you, um, just a question, did you have drama as a school no, subject I didn't. when you went I to had, school um, yourself? I didn't. I, it was, uh, I would have loved to okay. do, in fact, I didn't do, um, I didn't do any drama really until my very last year in school when I was um, really coerced into taking part in the, in the, <laughs> the school play production, which was which was, t uh, I was mortified. I really didn't want to do it, but I, I, it was my my music teacher with whom I was doing my, my final music exams. And he, in a friendly way, of course, he kind of said that he, he wanted me to do this uh, kind of a bit of an obligation. And I did it very reluctantly, but I ended up absolutely loving it. So um, in Vienna... You, you said you, you, you began to combine language teaching and, and theater aspects, exercise from the rehearsal room. So um, how did that go on? I mean, at first I was mainly applying these ideas to, to literary texts. I hadn't had any real experience of 
process drama or, uh, for example, Augusto Boal, who's a, a, I use a lot of his exercises now um, with slightly more general aims. But back then I was, I was kind of ignorant of all of those developments. I was... Um, I was basically just mirroring a lot of what I was doing in the rehearsal room. So I would I would take literary texts and apply, let's say, theatre room rehearsal techniques. But then the outcome, I would then try at least to swing it back round to language. So to give you a very concrete example, we'd maybe read through um, a scene of from a from a modern play, a modern drama, and work through it as we would in, in rehearsal, but the students would have several linguistic tasks to, to carry out. For example, they might have to paraphrase passages that they weren't quite sure uh, in terms of the meaning. Um, lexical items, words that they didn't know, they might have to substitute them with more familiar words. And that way we would, um, we would try to learn new words and so on. So I was trying to, I was trying to use play texts shall we say, as a, as a basis for, for more general language development. But I, it was, those early days were very, very much just kind of, um, uh, yeah, doing, doing it by instinct, really. I, I certainly wasn't, I hadn't read up on any of the theories or methodologies or anything like this. I was just, I was just pretty much winging it, as we say, you know, just kind of improvising um, a little bit. But uh, my, my next stop was then was then Munich. I got a a slightly more full time position at the University of Munich, and there, I suppose it was just because I I had more time. Simply, I I, I was teaching full time, so I had much more of an opportunity then to develop these ideas. And actually, I started a started thinking about possible um, topics for a PhD in this area already in Munich. I moved to Munich in like 2007 um, and I was there for five years. So I, I had quite a, quite a bit of time there to, to think uh, in a bit more depth about, about drama and education. Mm -hmm. And you were teaching um, students who were aiming to become teachers? It was actually, it, it, was kind, it was kind of both. I mean, basically it was in the English department and that's exactly the same as I um, here in Tübingen. The classes are um, in theory, <clears throat> they're mixed, mixed classes of students on the general English degree, um, sort of even taking the classes in external options. So we, we might have economic students even, but the vast majority, both in the classes in Munich and even here in Tübingen, the vast majority are those training to be English teachers themselves. Again, that kind of, that happened um, quite organically that I, kind of in response to the fact that the majority of my students were training to be uh, teachers themselves. I started tailoring the drama and education classes a bit more f in, in that direction to kind of give them the opportunity to explore these methods themselves. Um, I have a lot of students who, for example, their first um, their first subject might be sports. Yeah, so they might be training to be um, sports teachers and English teachers simultaneously. And a lot of those guys, um, they're maybe just, I, I, one has to be careful about talking about, you know, types and so on, of course. But um, uh, in my experience, I can put it this way, in my experience, the, the, the students who are really passionate about sports 
tend to not have had so much, let's say, so much experience doing drama in school or doing plays because presumably they were busy playing in the sports teams. It's probably just a question of time. So for them, I find I've started developing a um, an approach which is more based on on the physical aspects of theatre. When, when I mention, right, we're going to be doing drama in this class, you can see quite a few eyebrows being raised. But when I, when I emphasise the fact that this is also a very physical thing and emphasising the non-verbal communication elements and, and designing designing exercises which emphasise that aspect. That's one of the really satisfying uh, things that I, I see the students who are perhaps at the beginning reluctant being being engaged with that example through, through the physicality of, of the work, um, being engaged and then developing, in the best cases, developing a, an interest or an enthusiasm that way. Okay, well, that's, that, that, is, that, that was exactly what I was going to ask. So I was going to ask you about sort of the, the challenges and the, the rewards. And so you've already started um, mentioning one of those, which would be convincing the reluctant students And one of the rewards would be seeing them, yeah, sort of being convinced. Exactly, as you say. I mean, that's a challenge is not everyone is interested in this kind of thing. And so that's it. But, you know, looking back on it, I, I uh, you know, if I'd been asked to volunteer, if it had always been voluntary, I probably would never have experienced drama. And and ultimately, it's become it's become a really big part of my life. So it's an it's an interesting question, you know. To to what extent can we use, shall we say, gentle persuasion um, to maybe expose children who otherwise would never have dreamt of of, of doing drama, um, who might who might actually discover a kind of hidden talent or a hidden passion um, for something they would never normally volunteer for. It's it's yeah, it's a it is an interesting question, especially for school teachers. I think the, the the most important thing that I always um, try to emphasize is that this idea of a team spirit, and that's something which um, I'm always amazed semester after semester, the classes which really develop the I would say the best kind of um, class atmosphere, the best uh, team the team spirit where where the students get to know each other when they they communicate with each other. Uh, before the class begins, after the class, they start getting to know each other. They use first names. Those are always the classes where I use drama. The classes where I don't use drama, especially the the more writing-based classes, they tend to stay on a rather, um, shall we say, professional level where the students don't, um, they don't interact much um, socially. Um, and... It's, it always amazes me that the students from very different backgrounds and on different degree types and so on, um, they really get to a point where they're working together. And I think for me, that's the, that, that's the, the, the best thing. So the exercises, which might be slightly more um, literature-based and perhaps more cerebral and uh, that kind of thing, they tend to be driven and tend to be tend to be organized more by those students, shall we say, the students who are more enthusiastic about literature, whereas when it comes to um, designing physical exercises or, you know, organizing, we, we also work in the theater occasionally on the stage in our department. We're very lucky to have access to an actual theater space. Um, that tends to be where the, shall we say, the more 
sports-based students are, come into their own and so on. Again, I, of course, this is generalization and, and one, one has to be very careful about that. But I find that drama is good for engaging students with different skills. I, I don't think it's... I really don't subscribe to the belief that drama only appeals to a certain kind of student or anything like that. I think drama is really one of the most inclusive methods I've ever encountered. That's one of the reasons I keep using it. Mm -hmm. So you would say, despite the despite the heterogeneity, drama can yeah can act as a connector and maybe even give different types of students a chance to to shine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the one the one thing that people I think assume about drama is that it has to involve performance, and that, of course, that's a different thing. That's um, the the desire to actually get up on stage in front of other people and perform in front of them. That is something that's certainly not everyone's cup of tea. So I'm very careful with performance in my classes, even even when it comes to just performing in front of the in front of the class. Um, that's something which I'm careful with. And, and um, in most cases, I do not oblige students to to showcase what they've been working on. Um, that that That's voluntary um, because I don't want, yeah, I, I, I don't want the, the students feeling that they have to have to suddenly get up and, and, um, and do a performance if that's not something they're very, very comfortable with. But apart from that, I would say... Um, Yeah, I, I do believe it's a very inclusive thing to do. So you you would, for example, do small group work and then ask for volunteers who who might want to present what they've come up with in front of the exactly. class. Exactly, exactly. That that's very much that's very much what um, what I would do. And funnily enough, the first couple of weeks it's maybe only one group or a couple of groups. And as we go on, as the other groups see that look, this is something. There's no pressure people are supportive, all the rest of it. What invariably happens is as the semester goes on, more and more groups then volunteer. Um, and it becomes quite rare, actually, that a group will, will decline. And I, I must say, I have to say, um, I, I work, obviously, I work with students. So they're all, I mean, typically in the classes I run, it's um, towards the end of their studies. So they're maybe in their certainly in their in their early 20s but most typically in their mid 20s into their late 20s so the, these are you know the, these are people who they're, they're mainly grown-ups and they, they these challenges of course uh, take on a very different kind of dimension I think if you're working in school depending in fact even even in the different age groups within school uh, school teaching that's something where I, I'm sure it must be much more of a challenge um, and that, that's a luxury of course that I have at the university that I, I don't really have to worry too much about that even the ones who are not natural performers most of the time they're they're kind of well you know they're they're game enough to, to just give it a go and and perhaps risk risk looking a bit silly because they have that self-reflective aspect and I always emphasize you know we're not we're not here to train our own you know to become great actors we're here to explore these methods as a way of, of seeing perhaps how you might use them in your own future careers. And so that would actually bring me to my next question. So, yeah, how do you, how do you sell drama and education to your students? <laughs> so you've already mentioned uh, part of how, how you do it. I advertise my classes on, um, via the, the regular uh, online system. So students can actually read 
about this before they apply for the class. Having said that, the, the classes that I do drama in are are obligatory for a lot of the degree courses, but if they don't fancy drama, um, then uh, several of my colleagues are offering you know, um, the same type of course, shall we say, doing different things. And um, there's a whole, that's one of the lovely things about our department that my colleagues offer a, a wide range of, of other topics and things that students can, can take for the same credit, shall we say. So there's a bit of pre-selection. So as a tendency, people are at least slightly interested in, in drama methods. Exactly. Although I think, I mean, classes. a lot of the time, because the students have quite um, busy timetables, you often find that they come to the class because it simply fit in that slot. It's certainly, it's never a class that is just full of drama enthusiasts. Let's put it that way. It's probably about 50-50 um, very roughly. Okay, so there are a few who might still need a little bit of convincing. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. What do you what do you tell, for example, you said you have students who are economic students or who just do general English studies. Do you also have something like a a, a sales argument prepared for them? Yeah, I mean, um, not really. It's basically in the, in this particular class, the assessment that the students have to hold um, presentations. Um, and in this class, it's one aspect of um, one aspect of drama and education. It, they can tailor that to their own interests. So, for example, I advertise the class as being focused on applied drama, so not even educational drama as such, but applied drama generally. Presentation exactly, skills. Exactly, precisely. A lot of them have done um, have done. Um, yeah, have, have focused on or interview techniques, you know, using using applied drama as a way of fostering and practicing effective interview strategies, for example, or presentations. Literature based students have looked at the the whole basis of drama, uh, going back to ancient Greece and so on, and have investigated the the distinction between applied drama as it's practiced today and and the roots of of, of drama anciently. So it's, I, you know, I. I do try to keep that aspect of things as wide as possible. I mean, most most students, being trainee teachers, um, they do focus on the the educational aspect. Ninety percent of the presentations in the class, but I, I like to leave that possibility open, you know, for for the others. So that's that's the student side. Um, do you ever get? administrators who are asking why are you teaching that way how, how is that in your university again in that respect i'm very lucky um we've got um we've recently developed um some new degree types bachelor of education and master of education and um there's now a a, a chair for english language education at our department and in fact that professor has already uh, done a seminar on drama for, for English language teaching as well. There are external people who do block seminars in theater pedagogic, for example, and even the literature professors. Um, there's one um, in particular who spe specializes in Shakespeare. And I've we've done uh, some kind of collaborative teaching projects where some of my drama-based classes have linked up with um, some of some of his uh, Shakespeare classes in the literature department um so i in in that respect I'm, i'm very lucky and in terms of administrators yeah they're um 
they've so far been very, very open and very supportive of um, of new topics and, and, and new approaches to teaching. When I was back in Vienna, it wasn't that people were unsupportive, but I, I was just very much alone. I, I could pretty much do what I want, provided that it 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 kind of um, coincided with the required. Um, curriculum aims and so on but if I wanted to use drama no one was going to stop me but I think here at Tübingen it's really it's really been yeah the the, the department's been wonderfully supportive and as I say we we're also lucky to have this theatre space in the building um, which from time to time we, we can use for classes and that's been great as well. But you do not always use it so you also have your some of your drama-based classes in just normal classrooms? Exactly. I mean, I would say most of the time. Last semester, I had a class where the final aim was actually um, a, a performance uh, of short scenes, and for that performance, we were we were in the theatre and we had a sort of um, a kind of informal invited audience um, to just come and support us. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, generally from week to week, uh, most of the of the work is just uh, happens in the classroom as normal. Because I know that lots of teachers find that also quite challenging, having a, sort of the confines of the room um, and sort of the tendency of drama to be physical and to take up a lot of space. Uh, but so I guess you find, found, you've found ways of, of managing doing drama in even in normal classrooms. Yeah, I, that's true. Although I, now, that, now that you mention that aspect, the classroom... Obviously, the the environment varies depending on what room I have for each particular class. And if you're unlucky um, and you get one of the smaller classrooms or one of the classrooms that doesn't get a lot of light or whatever, that can be that can be slightly frustrating. I mean, I think th there's no doubt about it that if you are if you're working in a nice, clean, well lit rehearsal room with lots of space. Um, and which isn't cluttered with furniture and so on. It it does it definitely has a positive effect on the work. You just feel a lot more free and a lot more um, open. And um, so, but you find ways of getting along even in those slightly more cramped and not so not so beautiful rooms. Exactly. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, if we're in a really restrictive space, then what I try to do is is have the the um, well, either I have the kind of preparation work done in groups just sitting at tables um, or else, to be honest, sometimes I, I send the groups out, especially if it's a big class. Um, for instance, they might have 20 minutes to prepare a scene or whatever, and I say, look, you can go out. There's a, there's a kind of um, general space in our, in our um, department where there are couches and, and it's much more comfortable. And sometimes I say, look, on you go, you, you can go outside, come back in 20 minutes and we'll, you know, then we'll see what you've been working on kind of thing. It works. And obviously I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I flit between the different groups to make sure that they are kind of staying on point. But with, with students of that age, it's, it's very rarely a, a problem. I guess I'll have to wrap up. It's been really great talking to you and maybe as a final um final short question um or two-part question um can you tell me um sort of what your what your focus is at the moment and if people listen to this and say oh i would like to learn more about this jonathan um can they is there anywhere 
where people can find more? Do you have any articles published or um, do you have a website? I don't know. Okay, okay. That's great. I mean, um, yeah, I... I suppose my current one one of the one of the classes I do kind of remains fairly stable, and that's really an introduction to drama and education, principally for the for the teacher trainees. But the other, I, I have another class where I try to, should we say, be a bit more, uh, yeah, just try out some new class, new ideas. At the moment, a big interest is, is Shakespeare. That's my my other main main interest, and at the moment, I'm. This current semester, uh, I'm team teaching again with some of my colleagues in, in literature. And for that class, I'm going very much more into, or should, should I say, back to the rehearsal room techniques that I'm familiar with from the theatre, applying them to, in this case, three plays by by Shakespeare, and just pretty much seeing what comes out of that. Um, I find with the performance-based classes, um, the best results come when when I don't try to control it too much. Um, very much like a director in the theatre, just kind of facilitating the work, allowing the the, the students uh, really as, as much freedom as possible to explore the texts for themselves, and then seeing how that might feed in to the more academic based classes um, in the literature uh, literature department. So that's. That's my very current focus. And in terms of um, contact and so on, I, I don't have a, a personal website, I, I must say, but um, my details are on the English department page of the University of Tübingen. Um, I'm under the, the there's a staff registry, um, a staff register there with email addresses. Of course, I'd, yeah, I'd be, I'd be delighted to hear from anyone who was, um, who was interested in this kind of thing. Um, and likewise, you know, I'll, I'll be tuning in. I think, by the way, this is a, a great idea. I was delighted to be asked to um, to talk to you today. It was it was a, a pleasure, um, and I'll I'll listen with interest to the other podcasts. Um, I think it's great just to, to to put people in connection with each other and and just find out what other people are doing. So it's a, it's a great idea. Thank you very much for for going to all this trouble and and um, and doing these things. Okay, so this was the first episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and please stay tuned for future episodes. In the next episode, we'll probably be talking about the drama and education days in Constance, and I've invited my co-organizer, Eva Goexel, to share some stories about how we came to organize this conference and how we've been running it for four years now. Anyhow, um, you'll find some show notes for this episode on the website, And in case you are interested in being interviewed, feel free to contact me. Okay, I wish you a nice day and maybe hear you soon. Bye bye.